Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. As Donna said, uh, welcome everybody. Good to see you guys. Uh, so excited to be with you during this holiday season. Uh, it's been fun. Different, different year. Different year, different uh, expression of uh, Christmas and, and all that happens around this time of year. But uh, nonetheless, I think it's been a joy. I, I pray and hope that all you guys had a, a restful and a peaceful uh, week and Christmas together with your families or whoever you were uh, able to celebrate with. Before we get into today's message, just real quick, I wanted to give you a, a little bit of a uh, look ahead. Beginning next Sunday, we're going, going to be starting a, uh, an expository series through the book of Ephesians. And uh, I have shared that with a few people and gotten some really positive feedback. It seems like uh, Ephesians is a favorite among many people. Uh, we'll, we'll go pretty slow through it. I think there there are, we'll go verse by verse, but also look, t- take a step back and look at some of the topics and themes that are raised in the book of Ephesians. So we'll take our time in it. I would encourage you, I think you get the most uh, out of a teaching series. If you would take time this week, Ephesians is six chapters, sit down for, you know, give yourself an hour or so and just sit down somewhere quiet and maybe read through that. Uh, from beginning to end. I think it's nice to have uh, the context of the whole book. Uh, if you have a study Bible and you can look and see a little bit of the history and background, that helps too. Just to have that context as you go verse by verse, I think that you get the most out of it that way. So just encourage you that that's uh, going to be starting next week. Uh, today, uh, you know, we, we, we have, we've come to the end of a difficult year. We've been talking about it this morning and different, different people. And I, I, think, I think everybody's like a sigh of relief. Yay, 2020 is over. But the reality is that uh, you don't flip a page in a calendar and all of a sudden everything goes away. It just doesn't work that way. Um, yeah, it's a new year and it, it's a time when we can refocus and, and rethink through how we want to approach uh, the coming year. But at the same time, much of what we've experienced and happened is, is we're still in the midst of it. Um, it's been a challenge in many ways. We've been separated, isolated. We've, we've had to learn to work differently. Um, we've had to learn to worship differently. Uh, we've had to learn to relate differently. Um, very little has been uh, the same this past year as it has been in previous years. I was thinking about it, and I thought maybe we could take a lesson from the, the sports world uh, athletes very often, when they're in tough situations, you know, a, a finals or a championship series of some kind, sometimes they're not 100%. You know, if you've, if, regardless of what sport you're in, it's been a long season, you're beat up, you've got some injuries. And athletes will sometimes learn to play through the pain. And if you would go to the next slide, that is what has become a somewhat iconic photo uh, some of you will recognize Scottie Pippen holding up Michael Jordan. 
Uh, game five of the 1997 NBA Finals series with Utah Jazz is tied 2-2. Two to two. Jordan comes down with the flu or food poisoning or something. He's sick. He's got a, he's got a fever. He's sweating before they play. Uh, he can you know, barely stand up, and he goes out and goes off for 38 points. Um, you have to go back a little further than that, even though, for what might be one of the most uh, dramatic moments in sports history. Uh, I, I, uh, I think, I hope Kevin is listening. You probably remember this, Kevin. I don't know if anybody else does, but go ahead and go to the next slide. Anybody remember that? Game one, 1988 World Series. Uh, I was never a big baseball fan, but my dad loved the Dodgers. And he would watch Dodgers games. And I remember actually being at his house and watching this game, this particular game, and seeing this moment, uh, which is weird because it's probably the only moment in all of baseball history I remember. It may, it may be the only baseball game I ever saw. Um, it's about in the ninth. Dodgers are down four to three. And in a surprising move, Tommy Lasorda sends Kirk Gibson up to bat as a pinch hitter. The reason it was surprising is Gibson is injured. He was not announced before the game, wasn't supposed to play at all. He had a pulled hamstring in one leg and a swollen knee in the other, so he could literally barely walk. Uh, but it's the ninth inning, and they're down by one, and Lasorda sends Gibson in. And the implications of him going to bat are clear. He has to hit it out of the park, because anything less than that is a fail, because he can't run the bases. Dennis Ackerley is pitching for the Oakland A's. Uh, he hasn't given up a home run in 26 at-bats or some crazy thing like that. I don't know baseball stats. But he's, the point is, he's playing uh, very, very well. Uh, first two pitches are both strikes. Gibson swings at him, he got two strikes right off the bat. Next three are all balls. So now he's got a full count. Um, if you want to go back and just look up on, on YouTube and watch this, Vin Scully's making the call. It's, it's classic. Uh, the pitch and the swing, and you hear crack. And you hear the, the crack of the bat is so loud, you know that he, he hit it hard. And the camera pans back, and you just see they show the ball going up, 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 up out of the park. And then Gibson is like this. And he just hobbles around the bases. Um, uh, so the point of that, the question I want to pose today to us uh, at the end of 2020 is, can, can, we, can we learn to embrace this moment and play through the pain? Things aren't the way that we would like them to be. We are not able as a church to do business, or any church really, to do business the way that we have always done it in the past. But can we embrace this moment and really play through the pain? So let's, let's pray, and then I want to I get into it a little bit. Our text today is from Ecclesiastes, but let's uh, just ask the Lord to bless that. Father, thank you so much for your word again. Uh, I am uh, ever, ever amazed at how your word speaks directly to situations of life today. Uh, let us uh, embrace that and learn from that this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, I want to read this text together, so if you could go, our title is to, go back one, to everything there is a season. Okay, go ahead. There's a time for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens. Time to be born and a time to die, time to plant, time to uproot. Time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, 
a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to bend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. I, I just found it incredibly interesting reading that this week, uh, talking about uh, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. And I just thought, my goodness gracious, how, how more contextually appropriate could this ancient text written thousands of years ago be to the moment we're living in right now? Um, Ecclesiastes was written uh, in a time of disruption, time of change, time of turmoil. Uh, and in some ways, as, as I read through it, a little bit, I felt it could almost be a companion text to this season of COVID. It really does uh, sort of uh, speak very, very directly. Uh, it, it was dealing with, it was written to deal with the instability of life. Life is full of, uh, of good things, isn't it? Uh, there's, there's a time to be born. Amen, Zoe? All right. The time to be born. <laughs> And, and there's, there's times to rejoice, times for building and laughing and dancing. There are great times, <clears throat> blessed, wonderful times in life. But life is also full of heartache and pain. There's a time to die. Uh, it's a sad thing when someone dies when it's not their time. Um, our, uh, in the state of Oregon this past year, over 1,400 people have died of COVID. Uh, our state is one of the lowest in the nation. That's a good number. Uh, and yet, you consider uh, those people and those families and the loved ones. Uh, I, I, again, am thankful uh, that you know, this hasn't directly affected me or my family. Uh, as a Christian, though, I feel as though there's a sense of loss, and I have to empathize and and. and and enter into the pain and the loss of others. Uh, and there's been a considerable amount of pain and grief uh, this year. Um, and I think as Christians, again, we are so blessed that Scripture gives voice to these times. Uh, one of the most frustrating things is sort of that attitude sometimes among Christians that, amen, hallelujah, praise Jesus, everything is good. Uh, scripture doesn't read that way to me. It identifies times of pain. There, there are times of difficulty, and I am thankful that uh, Scripture gives us that allowance. It gives us space to identify with times of life that may not always be good. <clears throat> and I think that's a powerful reminder to me, to anyone who's feeling somewhat displaced or out of sorts or possibly disrupted this year, right now, today maybe, uh, I think God's word to you uh, is you're not alone. You're not alone. Um, go ahead and go to the next slide. Verse 1 says there's a time for everything. And that, that, that is the truth. There's a time for everything. Does my faith allow for the uncertainty of a global pandemic? That's the question you have to ask. Does my faith allow for the uncertainty of what's happening. Jesus was clear about it. Uh, go to the next slide, John 16, 33. Jesus says, 
in this world, you will have trouble. He doesn't say maybe you'll have trouble, or things could go a little hard sometimes, can be tough. No, he says, in this world you will have trouble. But then the second part of the same verse says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is that point of stability that we have in uncertainty. As uncertain as things might get, uh, we always can look to Jesus as a point of stability in the midst of it, which is beautiful. Go to the next slide. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, which again... uh, you know, we're a pretty huggy crowd. And, and I think the hug is such a big part of the church. When we come together, that's how we greet one another. And it's really a way that we express our love in Christ for one another. Uh, and it's been an odd thing uh, to not just hug all the time. And sometimes I just forget it and just do it anyway. Um, we have had to embrace change, though. That's one thing this year that's been uh, for real. Uh, you know, think about for you what's changed over the last eight months. I, uh, I know that there are parents who are uh, schooling your kids at home who maybe never thought you would do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, some of you are working uh, from home or working in a different context uh, than you were before. Uh, so much has changed. Virtually nothing is the same as it was. Everything from going shopping to going to the gas station, whatever, whatever you do, it's, it's very different. Uh, we talk about the new normal, uh, but the thing about that is that that's today's normal. It wasn't last week's normal, and it probably won't be next week's normal because normal is now a moving target. It changes all the time. What, what, what is the latest you know, restriction? Uh, several people texted me this week. Uh, I, I can't figure out how to register for church. And I said, you don't have to anymore. That was last week. We don't have to do that anymore. Uh, so, so I would say this. What has happened this year has not been an interruption. It's been a disruption. And, and a, uh, th- things are not going to be the same again as they were before. And can we embrace that? And can we turn that towards God's kingdom purpose? And I believe we can. You know, dis- disruption, a disruption is any time something changes the status quo. That's not always bad. Sometimes that's good. Uh, th- think about this. So think about what your life was like pre-iPhone and post-iPhone. It's different. That was a major change in how we approach life and what we do, how we travel. Everything changed. Um, other things in recent history. Uber was a change in how we live. I hadn't taken a taxi in ever. I just, I'm not going to pay that. Wait, I might take an Uber. That's a little different. Airbnb. Used to be you go on vacation, you go to the Marriott or the Sheraton. Now, oh my goodness, look at the options we have. A couple of years ago, we were in uh, Guatemala. Steve Fish, my friend in Vancouver, called me. He goes, hey, I, I booked us a place to stay uh, from, through Airbnb. Oh, cool, I guess. And so he goes, yeah, it's, it's about uh, you know, a third less than all the hotels. Oh, well, that's good. 
So we show up at this place. It's this condo. It's up on a hill. It's looking out over Guatemala City. It's, um, it's amazing, unbelievable. I go, how did you find this? He goes, Airbnb. I just looked it up. All these things, though, are disruptions in the status quo. They just mean that life has changed. 2020 has been a disruption. Life has changed. It's not the way it was in 2019. Um, times like this, I think, it's important to look to and hang on to those things that don't change. Uh, go to the next uh, slide, if you would, Acts 2. This is, so it's interesting. Th- this is the very, very earliest days of the church. This is the very beginning of the Christian church as we know it. They, meaning the church itself, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Potluck has always been part of the Christian expression. Um, that was a joke. Thank you. Go one more. So in the earliest days, uh, go ahead. There you go. There were, there were things that the church were committed to. Teaching, fellowship, communion, prayer, generosity, and worship. And that's not all that different than what we want to be committed to as a church today. Uh, 2,000 years later, uh, very little has changed in how we express our faith. Uh, and I think if we focus on these things... It helps us navigate disruption. It helps us navigate change. Whatever happens in the world around us is going to happen. But if we focus in on who are we and what are we about, what do we do, how do we express our faith in the midst of this, uh, it, can, it can give us a roadmap for how we, how we get through. Um, and again, we do those things. Some of them are different. Some of them are challenging. Right now, fellowship is a challenge, right? It is. Fellowship is a challenge. We have to rethink how do we approach fellowship. Communion is a challenge. You, you may notice we haven't taken communion. We used to take it every month. Uh, that, that's a tough one because that's an important part of who we are as a people. So I've been looking into getting those little cups. We used to do these when I was a kid at the Presbyterian Church, and you peel back the top, and there's a little wafer in there. So you have your own little thing, and no one touches it but you. So maybe we can do communion that way. I don't know. But it, it's just uh, uh, we have to rethink how do we, how do we commit to these same uh, priorities and values and practices as a church in the midst of this disruption. Um, worship. Uh, you know, I love our worship, but we now, <laughs> it sounds so weird in the room because everybody's singing with a mask on, right? I mean, that's just, that's the reality of it. <clears throat> so a few suggestions, you know, moving forward, uh, as far as teaching I am blessed that we have people here who know how to utilize the technology to stream our service so that those who are at home, uh, who, who are for one reason or another not able to be here or uncomfortable being here, uh, you can continue to join us. And we'll continue to do that. Uh, you know, I try to uh, recommend books periodically to you guys. I'm going to try to make a commitment this year to recommending a book a month just so you can augment your teaching, extra reading, and, and thing you, things you could do. I think it's good to do that. Uh, I also, you know, I'll just say this. 
Uh, through the internet, it, it really is, uh, we have the blessing. You can, you can really listen to anybody, anywhere, anytime. You don't have to go to church at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. If you want to listen to, to Rich Nathan or Alan Scott at Anaheim or whoever, or somebody outside the vineyard, you can just go on their website and listen to Sunday's sermon on Tuesday. It doesn't matter. There's a lot of teaching out there, and I would encourage you from time to time to do that because I think it's good to hear different voices. Um, topics that you're wondering about. Sometimes if I'm thinking about a specific topic, I might listen to two or three different people, some of which I probably have a pretty good idea going in. I probably won't agree with what they have to say, but I'm going to listen to what they have to say anyway. Uh, and, and just expose yourself to, to, to some other voices out there. So I would encourage you to do that. Fellowship, as we said, is harder. Fellowship is a challenge, but it's doable. It's doable. Uh, I think one of our groups is meeting currently. They, I think they, you guys meeting in there still? Somebody here? No? I don't know. No? Okay. But, you know, the, the text said in the temple courts and homes, maybe that is being replaced by Facebook and Zoom for, for a season. But I would just encourage you, do what you can to stay connected. Don't let yourself isolate completely and totally. Even if it means getting together in smaller groups uh, and maybe not with the, the same frequency or regularity, but just having a little tea time or whatever, you know, just, just doing things you can for fellowship. Uh, prayer, uh, you know, options are available. Um, you can send prayer requests in. We have a prayer team, a, a group of people that are committed to praying for prayer requests. Uh, we had a prayer at Portland Vineyard, but that would go to me. So just send your prayer request to me, uh, Glenn at Cascade Vineyard, and I will forward those to the prayer team. And I always, when somebody sends me a prayer request, I forward it as soon as I get it immediately, goes out to the prayer team and they begin praying right away. So that is a great option for you. Uh, we do have uh, in-person prayer meeting every Tuesday morning uh, at 7 a.m. We've been meeting up at the office. Uh, I don't know, maybe we should move down here, but... Uh, there's typically five of us, and we, we wear masks, and we sit separate from one another in the room. It's typically freezing in there. Uh, so, so you bundle up, wear a sweatshirt and a hat, and uh, bring your blankie. Um, but but uh, you're invited, invited to join us, and you don't have to make a commitment to be there any week, or every, every week. I mean, if you want to just come one, one Tuesday morning, come one Tuesday morning and join us. Uh, we pray for an hour, and if, if, you, don't, if you can't be there but you would like prayer for something, uh, send me your prayer requests and we'll make sure we get those. And again, we pray for, you know, friends of, neighbors of. It's, 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 there's no limit to what we can pray for. So don't feel like, oh, I don't know if this fits. I don't know if it's important. It's, it's, we'd be happy to pray. Um, one of the hardest things for me during this season has been, uh, you know, at the end of our service, we don't have hands-on prayer. We have not been doing that. Uh, that, that for me, that's just one of the hardest things of the whole time. Because... That is such a part uh, of who we are in the vineyard. I mean, I've grown up in, in 40 years in the vineyard church praying for people after every service. And so it's weird to not do that. It feels, it feels like we're not done. We're leaving, and that's not over yet. Um, it's, it's such an integral part of who we are. I, I don't know how that's going to work out, to be honest. But I'm confident that at some point we will be able to uh, to resume that. And so I'm, I'm hopeful and praying that that will happen. Uh, verse 44 of this text says, all the believers were together. We talked recently about the church being gathered and the church being scattered. 
And so today we're more scattered than gathered in a very real way, but we're still the church. We're still the church. Uh, we can still practice the things that we practice as a church. Um, you know, generosity was a key element in the early church. And it's a key element in our church today. You guys do a great job at that. I want you to know that. We are blessed by your commitment to give, uh, the generosity with which you care for our community. Uh, I, I don't know if you, I, I think you guys know, I don't know if you all know, uh, you know, we feed more people here than go to our church every week, every single week. Uh, and we've been doing it for 20 years, every week. And you guys make that happen. Um, Well, you don't make that happen. I don't know. It's whatever. I don't know how to fix it. <laughs> uh, oh, I do need the text, though. Uh, can I have a Bible, somebody? <laughs> Good grief. Good grief. <laughs> Thanks, Cindy. <laughs> Acts 11, the church is scattered. And I think it's, uh, it's uh, indicative of, of where we are today. It says, those who have been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So even in the midst of <coughs> persecution and difficulties and disruption, the early church didn't stop being the church. And I think that's a key for us. You can disrupt and, and there can... See, so we're not experiencing persecution per se. What we're going through is different than that. But the outcome is the same, I think, in the sense that the church has been scattered a little bit and isn't able to continue to do what they do the way they've done it in the past, but they found a way to make it happen. And I think that's the point for us is we can find a way to make it happen. Continue to share our faith, uh, to be Jesus, hands and feet, to our neighbors, to our friends, uh, to strangers, uh, you, you know, in any context that, that we have before us. Uh, we, we just make a commitment to say, I'm going to embrace the change and, and embrace our mission in the midst of change. Uh, in the midst of disruption, continue to do what we do and continue to bear fruit. There's a guarantee at the end of Acts, it says, uh, and the number uh, where, where, uh, people saved were added, were added to their number every day. So as they continued to focus in on what God had called them to be about, God continued to bless them. That's a guarantee and a promise we have from Him. All we have to do is be who we are and do what He's called us to do, and, and God will cause that to bear fruit. He'll breathe upon it and cause it to bear fruit, and He'll multiply. And I, I really believe that's key for us this year. Just do what we're called to do. Be who we're called to be. Um, this really has been a tough season. Um, and, and, you know, look... We're going into a new year, but the tough season isn't over. Um, and, and there are still a lot of people who are fearful. There's still people who are doubtful, people who are concerned about what's going to be ahead. And um, I, I think that what we can do 
as a church is learn to play through the pain. Um, continue to to extend the love and the grace of Jesus to people around us, even in hard times. That that's that's what we're really for. That's what it's about. Is it's not always about doing it when it's easy and fun, but doing it when it's challenging and difficult. And I think the thing to remember, and the thing I want to say most to everybody, especially those of you that maybe are watching online this morning, is you're not alone. You're not alone. Um, I went back this week and uh, I, I watched the, the, the clip of, of Kirk Gibson's home run about five times. Um, you know, one thing I noticed, so, so you know, b- baseball, the, 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 it's, it's, it's the pitcher and the batter. It's kind of mano a mano. You know what I mean? It's one-on-one. You're there alone. And uh, I, they would, it was great. Back then even, they would pan you know, back and they showed the pitcher's face, and Eckersley is just staring him down, you know. And then you go back to the plate, and you get to see this thing. And, and when and Kirk Gibson's on the, on, on the plate, you see him, and he's alone. He's by himself there. And then he hits that ball, and all of a sudden, his, all his teammates, the whole entire Dodgers team, I think maybe the entire Dodgers organization, piles out of the dugout and they're running out on, you know, they're running around the field that there's guys, uh, teammates running down the baseline with him, you know, uh, Tommy Lasorda, big old Tommy Lasorda is just jumping up and down, his belly shaking, you know, and uh, it was awesome. It was awesome that the crowd's going crazy. And all of a sudden, you know, they kind of go back and you get that pan view and you go, he's not alone. He's not alone. Everybody's there with him. It's powerful. To think that you're not alone in the midst of whatever God throws at us this this year, uh, you're not alone. Uh, you're never alone. I, I think that that picture is a picture of the church today, where you may not, you know, in that moment you see you see the enemy, uh, you don't see what's happening around, but it's it's precious that God's there. So why don't we stand? And I'm gonna. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.